It's always great to be in new beginnings. Can you hear me okay? Hi. Just getting all my notes organised. Keep me right. It's lovely to be here, isn't it? It's just, I just always love coming into church. It's so, it's so good on a Sunday, especially just the fellowship. Here to worship God and praise the Lord and and our fellowship with each other. It's just, uh, it's just so nice. I really, always really, really, I can't explain actually how much I appreciate it. I just love it. It's so good. I just want to uh, share a few, a few thoughts today on uh, a, wee t- a, wee, a wee title for what I want to say is called that sinking feeling. So if you want to turn to it, you can. And the, the scriptures are up here and the, the screen, if you want to turn to it, it's Matthew 20, 14, 22 to 24. Just follow it on the screen there. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he was dismissing the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking in the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you in the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked in the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat, that's the other disciples, worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. Amen. And I'm sure God will bless us that reading of his word. Now, I forgot to ask for the wee clacker, Joe. Graham, could you put this down a wee bit? I'm getting a bit of feedback here. It's just too loud. Just a bit of technical stuff, you know. If you don't make a good job there, we're getting your trailer up. Don't record that, so. <laughs> I usually like to say to, to Joe and Graham when I'm speaking, don't record it because sometimes I'm a wee bit random and I don't want, want the world's public hearing what I'm saying. I don't mind the whole new beginnings. They, they know I'm a wee bit left field, but yeah, you understand where I'm coming from. Anyway. Just to paint in a wee bit of, of background now, just change it worked, can you believe it? Just to paint in a wee bit of background to this, that Jesus fed the 5,000. I think there was maybe 7,000 actually, but he fed 
5,000 as we see up here. Scripture says 5,000. There was probably more than that in terms of the wider family, other family members there. And he feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. Unbelievable. And he's got 12 baskets left over. And I just thought to contextualise this scripture here, that's a bit of the background, a wee bit of the background. And Jesus sent the multitudes away. It performed one of the most amazing miracles ever seen. How do you feed 5,000 folk with five loaves and two fishes? Have a look at this here. We want to feed 5,000 people with us, and that's our contribution towards it. And I just need to commend everybody. I just think this is wonderful. Wonderful. We walked in here with an Aldi bag with our stuff. And Tony Balarski came in with two Marks and Spencer's bags. <laughs> right. and, John, and Jonathan said, I will. The thing is, Sandy, we didn't get the stuff in Marks and Spencer's. Right. <laughs> Aye, very good. So I was saying to Jonathan, how does it feel to be in a, in a middle to upper class family? Anyway, Tony's shaking his feet, that's me in the bad mood. But this is just wonderful. Thanks to everybody here. It's, it, I was just kind of describe it, it's just tremendous. And that'll go to people that are in need. We're living in a country today which is much more needy than we ever thought it would be. There are people going to be needing this stuff that never in their life did they think they would need it. Never! And they're going to be needing this stuff. And Jesus feeds the 5,000. Five loaves and two fishes and 12 baskets left over. What a miracle. And what he does is he decides to go up in the mountain to pray. He dismisses the crowd. He, says, he sends his disciples on a boat to go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is a a big lake. It's a big lake, roughly 13 miles long. Folk that have been to Israel will be able to tell me more than that, but uh, Elizabeth and, and Lorraine and other folk that have been there, it's 13 miles long and it's 8 miles wide and the Jordan goes into it and the Jordan comes back out of it. So it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's called the Sea of Galilee, but it's a, it's a huge lake. And, uh, and at the end of the day, Jesus wants to get away to pray because up the mountain he sends the disciples in a boat and they go in the boat and he goes up in the mountain to pray. Now he's just he's just got some terrible, terrible bad news. But he still did this miracle with the bad news. And the bad news that his cousin has been beheaded, John the Baptist. Either his cousin or his second cousin, some of the kind of more Tommy Proctor and the more theological scholars. I'll be able to tell me what the relationship was. But it's either his cousin or his second cousin, John the Baptist. John the Baptist just beheaded. He's heartbroken. He's in mourning. But he does a miracle. And then he goes to pray. They want to make him king. And he's, he's really, really, the crowd wanted to make him king. And he thought, listen, they don't know what my ministry is here, where I'm going to be going to. I've got my, I've got my eyes on the cross, you know. So that's just a wee... I've given you a wee drawing of it, so when, when the disciples get into the boat, a wee slide of it, sorry, if you can see Bethesda up there up at the top, 
Well, just to the right of that, I think that's where they get into their boat and they go across the lake to Gennesaret. See that? They go up at Bethesda and they go across the lake to Gennesaret. That's the route that the boat went when Jesus sends them away so that he gets time to pray. And I'll just kind of I'll just kind of follow that a wee, up a wee bit later on. Uh, the Sea of Galilee. <coughs> now, SPA should be up sharing this rather than me. Because I'm sure that he's been in waters like that. And much worse. But the Sea of Galilee can turn like that. It can be really calm. Really calm. And they get these suddenly winds coming up. And all of a sudden... The Sea of Galilee can be like this. So the people who have been there from here know that. So the disciples go out in their boat, and that's a modern day photograph. But the disciples go out in their boat, and they're rowing against the wind. They're rowing against the wind. And then we say there that Jesus comes and he saves Peter from sinking. Now, one of the important things for Jesus, one of the most important things is prayer. Prayer was a priority for Jesus. John the Baptist has been beheaded. He's, he's done the, the, the miracle, feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. He needs time out. He needs time to pray. He never turned away from the struggle with anybody. He was heartbroken in relation his cousin or his second cousin John the Baptist. He loved the disciples, but he needed time away. He needed a break. He needed time with his heavenly father to get his strength back up again, to get himself restored a bit, to give him more energy. And he goes and he prays to his heavenly father on the mountainside. It was a priority in Jesus' life. Now, one of the things that's important for us, no matter how busy or exhausted you are, prayer is so important. Prayer is so important. Personal, private prayer with the Lord is so important. It's really important to pray in this context, but in your life, in your life, in relation to your personal circumstances. Personal, private prayer is so important. And it's so tough. It's so tough. Now this is a really simple message. This has been prayed so, so many times. And a lot of preachers have prayed this in relation to uh, Peter going into the water and taking his eyes off the Lord and really didn't have enough faith. Well, I don't know that. I'm terrified of boats. Absolutely terrified. Terrified of boats and terrified of planes. Terrified of most things. But, at the end of the day, Peter gets criticised for stepping over a boat. I think he showed wonderful faith at that point. Latterly, we know what happened. But at the end of the day, while, the, while they're struggling out in the water, Jesus is praying. He's praying. So no matter how exhausted we are, how busy we are, 
We need to take time to pray. In your personal life, you need to take time for private prayer to pray in your own situation. I think it's really hard. I go to bed at times really late. I'm a kind of two o'clock in the morning for my bed. Just, I think folk that know me here know that. I'm texting my son this morning at half past two. We're having a wee, a wee conversation because he's like me, he's a wee bit of an insomniac. Now at the end of the day, I want to pray then. But see when I start to pray, I end up falling asleep. Sometimes I've said to myself, listen, that would be a... That would say be taking a sleeping tablet, Sandy, just start to pray, you'll fall asleep. Well, that's not what the Lord wants. That's not what the Lord wants. But it's important in your life that you find time to pray. Now, one of the things that I've learned over the years, you can be in difficult, unorthodox type of situations to pray. I often pray when I'm driving. I pray when I'm driving. <laughs> that's how I go through red lights, right? I just, just gone down my mouth, it'll go, Sandy! You know, and are you annoyed at me? And I said, no, just you keep saying that, Margaret, I'll save me on a crash. Uh, but I like to pray when I'm driving. People come into my mind, Graham, Joe, Tommy, Margaret, Nicola, Moira, everybody in this place, I'll tell you this, every single person in this place, you'll come into my mind sometime and I'll have a prayer for you in the car. Susan and Ian, just been praying for them recently. And I pray in the car. And you can pray in all sorts of different situations. That might not suit you. It might be that if you get up early, you're more refreshed. And you pray in the morning. What I'm just trying to say is it's, a, it's important that you do pray. Choose the right time for you. Satan wants... I'm praying that Tommy's phone doesn't work. His phone never works, I don't know how it's working. His phone never works. He, he, he would be as well be a carrier pigeon. I don't even know what he's got a phone for. But anyway, that's a wee private thing I'm here for. But at the end of the day, prayer is so important. That's my point. Prayer is so important. Just get, get your, in your own situation. Get the best time right for you to pray to God. And there's all sorts of different times that that can be. I'm not one of these folk that says, you know, if you don't get up in the morning and pray, you're not very spiritual, you should be praying in the morning, you know. I'm just, I, listen, I'm very fortunate I can make myself a cup of tea in the morning. I'm not on the ball at all. But I pray to the Lord every day, in different circumstances, in different places. I'll tell you a wee quick story. Oh, jinx, I'm going to, just came to me, just came to me my wee story. Uh, I'll tell you a wee quick story about prayer, and uh, you'll maybe get a wee laugh, just don't record this too. But uh, a wee pal of mine said to me, Sandy, uh, Sandy, could you come and get me this afternoon? I was, his name was Jordy. I said, Jordy, what do you mean? He says, Sandy, I want, I've got stuff that I want to take through to Nunro Abbey, to the monks at Nunro Abbey. I'm friendly with Brother Stephen through in Nunro Abbey, and they do a good work with the homeless, and I want to go through, Sandy. The only thing is, I need your motor. Said, what for, Jordy? He says, we've got a thousand cans of mince, soup, stew, in it, govern. He said, in across the Rangers football park, there's a big place. We need to be there for four o'clock, Sandy. We shut the gates. If we're there before four o'clock, we'll get the stuff and we'll be able to take it through to Nunro Abbey. 
Right, they bothered Jordy. So to go up to Eastco Bright to get him, as usual, I was doing a lot in the morning, it was a bit late, arrives up. Jordy says, Sandy, we're never going to make. We need to be in there gates at four o'clock at Coven, we're never going to make it. And I says, right, we'll do our best, Jordy, I'll put the book down. I was, I'll go fast, in other words. Uh, and he says, right, no bother, in you get. Come on, Jordy, in you get, we'll get away. So he jumps in the car and away we go. He says, Sandy, just listen, I'm going to do something, I'm going to pray. He says, Lord, Lord, I know you're just testing us here, but Lord, we need every light to be at green. Lord, we need every light to be at green. Right? Amen, Lord. I know you'll do it, Lord, because, you know, we're faithful, Lord. We want to take food through. Boom, boom, boom. Right? And he goes, Amen, and I goes, Amen. The first light we come to, is it red? First light we come to, is it red? So I know what Jordy's like, right? He's got an answer for everything. Lord, I know you're just testing us. Thanks for testing us this way, Lord. Just testing our faith. I know you're going to get us there in time, but it's thanks, Lord, for testing us. Right? So bear in mind, Jordy's in the... Margaret's shaking her head on that. So bear in mind, Jordy's in the passenger seat. So I'm driving, right? So I'm driving like this, and I'm driving, and I says, Lord, just help us to get there in time, and, and thank you, Lord, for helping me to drive with my shot and having that faith, right? And he goes, Sandy! Right? And I goes, where's your faith, wee man? Right? Anyway. Anyway. Sometimes, sometimes it's so difficult to pray. And that was a wee funny story. And I'm going to pay for it again on the way home. But sometimes we need to speak to God in all sorts of different places. Because that's just the type of people we are. We're all different. We're all different. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus and not the absence of the storm. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. What did they do? Did they get into the boat? No problem. They couldn't get into the boat. No. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come. Now we know what the storm was like. I've just shared with you. The disciples had rode for four hours and they had made no headway. They were terrified. They were, most of them were established fishermen. They knew what it was like to be on Galilee. They knew what it was like to be in rough seas. But they were, ter they were terrified. They were really, really frightened. The storm was so bad that even experienced, accomplished fishermen like the disciples were terrified. And yet, the word tells us, peace is found in the presence of Jesus, not in the absence of the storm. And you might be in here today and you're going through a storm. Right, see if you're not going through a storm, you might be going through a storm tomorrow. I've met folk in life and they'll say, Sandy, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing that, you're doing the next thing, you're doing that, you're doing that. And it's really good, but see my life, I've never had a problem. Never had a problem. Beware, because you don't know what tomorrow holds. And Tommy and I have shared this often. 
See, when you think things can't get any worse, they invariably do. They invariably do. When you think, Lord, this just can't get any worse for me. It invariably does. It invariably does. But in your storm, which might be a tsunami, it might be a hurricane, Lord, I'm just, I just feel as if I'm going to get blown away here. There's too much for me to take. We need to seek the presence of the Lord in our personal circumstances. How often in my own circumstances do I forget to bring God into things early? I said this the last time I spoke here. Absolutely forget. I'm involved in a, a situation. I'm involved in some kind of circumstance, usually family circumstances. A lot of your tsunamis will be family circumstances. But sometimes it's health. And sometimes it's wealth. And sometimes it's emotional. And sometimes it's deeply spiritual. Often it's relational. Relational. The thing that causes me most difficult, I just want a family to be okay. All the time. All the time. I just want them to be okay. And sometimes we're involved in difficult times. The Lord doesn't promise that you'll never have a storm in your life. The Lord doesn't promise that. You'll, you'll never have a storm in your life because you're a Christian. Sometimes we get more storms in our life. Sometimes we get more storms in our life. But the Lord is in the storm with us. Brothers and sisters, we need just to grasp this. I was just kind of feeling under a bit of pressure the past, the past few weeks. I've got a good friend that's very, very unwell. Just feel constrained to see him a lot. I've got another friend that's in hospital. I've known him for say, 59 years. 59 years I've known him for. So let's just say, hold on. If you ask your Jordan, how old I'm will say 73 grandma he's got off the heart but at the end of the day at the end of the day things can crowd in on us I need to go and see Robert I need to go and do this I need to see this one because I've known them for a while and I've not really got family and I need to support them and I need to support this and I need to do that and I've got my own situation with my family and I've got this and I've got that and I've got that I just felt a wee bit overwhelmed Lord I just need to get you to help me in the midst of this. Now that might not be a tsunami for anybody else. Our tsunamis, our difficulties, our family situations are all relative. You might say, well I wish that's all I had, Sandy. You want to see what I've got? You want to see what I've got? Well the important thing is that we go to the Lord in the middle of a storm. Do you know why? He wants to be with you in the storm and to take you through it and one of the things i would say often it's only when i look back at something that i've gone through that i see where the lord's hand was i'm sure most people could say the same at the time i didn't maybe particularly know that the lord was in this i didn't necessarily hear his voice the way i should because sometimes i don't listen properly too busy going on about things and sometimes the Lord just speaks to us 
to that still, small voice in the middle of her storm. God will be with you. Not necessarily to remove it, although that can happen, but he'll be with you in the middle of your storm. Sometimes faith involves stepping out. I'll take my watch off. Joe, what does that mean? Look at him. What? She's putting the shine timer on it. <laughs> take my watch off. I, see, I say to Joe, what does that mean? He, says, he usually says absolutely nothing. <laughs> She's got the shine timer on. I think you, think you got that off, Jamie. Uh, Sometimes faith involves stepping out of the boat. Sometimes it involves step. I just love my, my situation. I love comfort. I don't like to be messed about. I really, I really like the safety of my home, the comfort. That's not a bad thing. I love looking out in the winter. I don't know if you're like me when, it, when it's really stormy outside and I'm sitting inside looking out and I'm feeling, this is great. Just put the heating on. Not, not this year. <laughs> Put my duvet on this year. <laughs> and my big slippers. Uh, but, so this year's a wee bit different. But I don't know if you're like me, but I like that. I love, I love when the, the snow's outside and the snow's coming down and I'm sitting to think, I've got the Christmas tree lights on and I'm just feeling, feeling good, you know, and I just nod off and have a wee sleep and drink a wee bit of tea and back off again. I like that. I like it just like that, right? Margaret brings my tea and there's a wee biscuit sandy. <laughs> it's, it's nice, it's nice. Sometimes Jesus is going to ask you to take a risk, to take a risk and step out of the boat. Step out of your circumstances and your situation and take a risk. Now, not necessarily, not necessarily like Peter. Not necessarily like that. What a step that was to take. What a step of faith. Stepping out into the boat, into the sea. Bear in mind, Jesus showed his deity. His deity. Power over all the elements. He could walk in water. That was reflecting his deity. And asking, G asking Peter just to come, just reflected his humanity as well. Come, listen, keep your eye on me, I'll look after you. Sometimes when we take our eye off Jesus, we start to go down. How often does that happen in your life? You take your eye off Jesus, you, you go in a step of faith. I'm going to do this. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to visit this one. I'm going to see that one. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I need to step out a wee bit of my own situation and think a wee bit more about others. And then, and then, Lack of faith hits you. It's all too much for me. It's too much for me. It's too difficult for me at the moment. I've too much going on. I can't do it. I can't take that. I just feel as if I'm sinking in fact. Because when we take our eyes off the Lord, we go down. Make no mistake about it. During my lifetime, I've taken my eyes off the Lord too many times. Too many times. And you know where I'm going? Down there. That's a lesson for us all. Take your eyes off the Lord and you'll go down. It was a lesson for Peter, even with his faith. When he looked at the waves, when he looked at the wind, when he looked at, sorry, but the wind paused, and he looked at the waves, he was frightened. 
So how many times have you tried to step out and you've been frightened? One of the biggest difficulties we have in life is the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Sometimes we want, we don't want to know what's going to happen, but we don't want not to know. Have I said that right? We don't want to know, but we don't want not to know. So the fear of the unknown can be a huge problem. But Peter stepped out. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen. But he had faith, but he took his eyes off Jesus. Not that it's recorded, but my guess is that the next time Peter took a step out of the boat, he just kept his eyes on the Lord because he knew what the result would be if he didn't do that. And the same is true for you, and the same is true for me. If we take a step of faith, the next one's a bit easier. The next one's a bit easier because God shown, showed, has showed us how he's with us when we take a step. And at the end of the day, we need to learn lessons. When we look back in our circumstances, oh, God was with me there. I didn't quite see it all, but when I look back in it and I look at the plan, I look at the path, I look at the road map and the route that I went, God was in that. Well, that's a lesson for me for the next time. That God will be with me because he's promised, what has he promised? Never to leave me or forsake me. Never to leave Moira. Never to leave Susan. Never to leave you. Never to leave you, Tom and Nathan. Never to leave us or forsake us. God's made that promise. God's faithfulness to us gets easier and easier to grasp in our inner persona the more we learn to trust him. Bill and Kathy and Nicola and Graham. They were in Kirtantillach, Riverside Church in Kirtantillach. The four of them are Riverside, they're in Riverside Church in Kirtantillach. And after some time and some discussion, and I've not even spoken to Graham about this, so I'll maybe get some of it wrong. But I'll, if I get some of it wrong, I'll probably hit the crossbar. They had, a, they had a day times together. And God was speaking to them individually. What was he saying to them? Why don't you step out the boat? I want you to step out the boat. I want you to start a ministry in Woodysburg. What type of ministry? We don't know. But God spoke to the four of them separately and individually and also together. So they're in Riverside Gospel Church and they've got a vision for a work in Woodysburg. New beginnings is one part of that original vision. Did they have doubts? Yes. Were they worried? Yes. Was it stressful? Yes. Did they have anxiety? Yes. By the way, all these are sinful. You folks shouldn't have had these things. <laughs> okay. Yes, of course. Did they have anxious times at times where they felt, what are we going to do? How can we do this? We want to do it, but how can we do it? But prayer, faith, trust, fellowship, the word of God, 
worship, thankfulness and praise. These things all come into their life. And they obviously felt a contentment, a peace in the middle of it all. We want to do something. We don't know how that quite is going to be. But we want to do something for God. They took a bold step of faith. That's why we're sitting here this morning. We thank the Lord for that. I'm only using that as an example. And just shared with you some of the ingredients there that moved them from the situation they were in to the situation we're in now here. It was a step of faith by them. Now individually, we need to take our own steps of faith. Maybe not big, big ones like that. Because that was a big one. It was wonderful. It was of God. God was speaking to them. I'm sure that they never felt any closer to God than they did go through that time. Because they needed to depend on him. They needed to reach out to him. They needed him to be in the circumstances because they didn't know exactly how it was going to end up. But God was faithful. He was with them. He never left them or forsook them. Just as a finish. When Murray turned to worship, bear in mind, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. It was the disciples that were in the boat. They were obviously terrified. They were terrified. But they knew only God could command the elements, the weather, the sea, all the elements. God's in charge of it. He still is today. They knew that only Jesus could walk in water, the Son of God. <coughs> they knew that only Jesus could do the miraculous healings that he was doing. And who other than Jesus could feed between five and seven thousand people? Five loaves and two fishes. And have twelve baskets full at the end. What a miracle! Truly, you are the Son of God. That's their cry. Truly, you are the Son of God. They didn't understand his full mission. They didn't quite understand the route that he was taking to Calvary. But he had saved them. He had saved them. And when Peter stepped out into the boat, he was already a disciple. He had already asked the Lord to be his Saviour savior and his Lord. But he continues to save us. Sometimes from our circumstances, sometimes from ourselves, sometimes for other people, he will always be with us. They knew that only Jesus could save them. And in here today, it's something that we need all to bear in mind. Only Jesus can save us. Jesus as our saviour and Jesus as our shepherd. The captain of our ship, we've got a We've got a captain here. We've got a captain. And we know what the captain's responsible for. Have been. <laughs> That's how SP's getting as much money as he's getting. He's responsible for everything. But SP will know more than anybody the responsibilities of being a leader, the responsibilities of being a captain, the responsibilities of making, the pe making sure the people in the boat are safe. 
And Jesus is our Saviour, and he's our Lord, and he's our shepherd, shepherd, and he's our captain. As we take communion today, we remember the one that saved us through his death and resurrection at Calvary. The one who's with us at all times, never promise, he's promised never to leave us or forsake us in all circumstances of life. At all times, he is worthy of all our praise and our worship and our adoration. And as we break bread and drink wine in a short time, just let us be thankful for who he is and for what he's done.